Hello and welcome to the Rethink Missions podcast, stories and lessons from frontier missionaries to unreached people groups. If you are a church planter, aspiring church planter, or missions-minded believer, this podcast will challenge your thinking and encourage your heart. Here is your host, Jeremy Wardlaw. Hello to all of you out there listening. I'm very excited for today's podcast. Um, We have a church planter with us. She's learned two languages, adapted to two cultures, um, been a part of church planting on the field, been a part of um, in a leadership capacity in Asia Pacific and in Canada. And uh, she's also a nurse, and so she has a perspective that I think is really important um, for church planners out there and for people aspiring to be church planners. Um, And so, yeah, we're going to talk about managing stress and even talk about burnout in today's podcast, what it is, uh, how this can impact your ministry. Um, But Kathy, that's our guest today, Kathy Watley, um, we just wanted to uh, maybe hear your story. Mm-hmm. You know, you went into the Moy People Group with your husband, Tim Watley. We had that on an earlier podcast. Go back and listen to that mm-hmm. if you haven't heard that that story. Um, but you were a part of that, and that's a it's amazing. There's a church plant there. Mm-hmm. They're even sending their, their own missionaries out. Is that right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so well on the way to becoming a mature church, um, and they were completely isolated from the gospel before. So you were a part of that. I'd love to hear your perspective on how that went. Moving in, what was it like for you, and um, how was language learning and adapting to that culture? How did that go? Oh my goodness, when you look back and see how this story all unfolded. It's pretty amazing what what the Lord did and all that. Um, We set out in a work that really is to do the impossible, aren't we? Um, Setting out to see God change hearts, something that we can't do. And so you go forth with a lot of fear and trepidation, um, but yet with a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, a lot of um, desire to see God do something in, in the midst of the impossibilities of it all. Um, we were so thrilled when the Lord opened the door for us to be there. It seemed like we needed to wait for each step of the way to unfold and to open up. And so by the time we got in there, there was just no doubt in our minds that that's exactly where God wanted us to be and what he had planned for us and, and for this people. Um, and so as we got settled in to the work there in Moy and started learning language and tried to relate to a culture that was just so foreign to our own, um, with the desire, of course, to relate to them, to be able to show them the love of Christ. And I don't know how many times just looking at this people going, Lord, you're going to have to show us how to do this because I do not know how to relate to these people at (laughs) all. Um, Goodness sakes, the way that they lived. And you always wonder what, what the enemy actually looks like, what his tactics are and what his thought towards mankind is. And when I looked at the Moy, I thought they, they were the perfect example of what 
the enemy's mind is towards mankind. Because these were people that were um, beaten down by societies around them, um, uh, would fear life and they would cut themselves with fear of evil spirits when they got bit by centipedes and when a tree fell on them. Um, they and didn't... so the cut, what would the cutting, how would that help in their minds? How would that help them? Well, they felt that if they cut themselves, they were bleeding themselves in a way to get rid of the evil spirits that oh, had entered okay. them through the bites or through the tree falling on them through those Ugh. different contacts. Um, and in seeing how desperately the enemy was just trying to destroy them as a people and um, the deceptions that they lived under brought no life to them at all. The belief that water had evil spirits in them, so then they couldn't drink. And you think of how much water is to just life, and that the enemy was telling them that they weren't, weren't allowed to drink that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I love to tell people here, I say, man, if you ever want to... Um, want to see what the enemy's true picture is, look at what the Moy looked like before the gospel came. So they were, I mean, you said other even uh, villages around were were ambushing them. Is that right? Is yeah, it... absolutely. There was always wars between other villages okay. around them. Mm-hmm. And then all this fear of like even a centipede, let alone the centipede hurting, then they felt it had spiritual power mm-hmm. and they had to try to get that out through bleeding themselves. Wow. So what did this end up looking like in terms of um, the health and well-being of the people? Like, how did this impact the average lifespan and the average child mortality rate? And Right, right. Well, I don't know if I saw a pregnancy. Um, there, I would say only... 10% of the the pregnancies actually came to a viable birth. There were so many miscarriages because the women wouldn't drink for the whole span of their pregnancy. Um, they, the people were filthy. They didn't wash their bodies because, again, they were fearful of water. Um, when they got sick, they wouldn't take in water again because of fear, fear of evil spirits. And, of course, they would dehydrate and die quickly that way. So that whole underlining belief in their system was was really what was destroying them. Mm. So there you are, trying to relate and trying to learn this language. And how how was that process? I mean, you you had kids and you're managing a family. And mm-hmm. um, how did that go for you? Oh, goodness. Um, We were just so determined to try and get that language because we knew the sooner that we could start teaching truth, the sooner God was able to be at work and start changing um, who they are as a people and what their lives would look like. And so, of course, that took on the whole burden of, um, of studying daily. And we were, as we mentioned earlier, in an isolated setting, so everything took a lot of work trying to get a meal prepared, um, doing up laundry, trying to keep a house clean and children fed and um, healthy. And um, I I remember putting my schedule together to try and make sure I got my language in. And I had everything timed down to a T. I had my, how I knew exactly how long it would make be to make breakfast, to get the dishes done, to get laundry on the line, to get the laundry all folded. And so I was squeezing in my language in between all that. But we were so determined that these people needed to hear God's word, that we're willing to um, do what it takes to make that happen. Mm -hmm. 
could you give me a, just a practical expression in Moy, maybe a greeting or something I could <laughs> I could say uh-huh. <laughs> to a Moy when I get to heaven? Oh, I know they always say Abba Abba for just saying a warm greeting to each other. Right. Um, I remember Tim saying Abba. That was like a phrase from God for him. He's like, oh, okay, this yes. <laughs> this was. Making Godfather very present right. Right, when you hear that term. Even though that's not what they meant by it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's a whole other explanation for what they meant by it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, niwida is another expression that they would always say. And that, that means I'm fearful. Niwida. Yeah. I'm fearful. Mm-hmm. And that's a common just... Very common phrase that you would hear all the time. Just letting everyone know that you're afraid? Is that... Yeah, I think I think that's that's what it was. It was just so much present in their daily life that it was just something that they were would always be saying to each other and to us as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you were learning language and culture, and um, now you you've shared before in a class that you teach just how that um, ended in burnout for you. Um, could you explain maybe your experience and help define what is burnout um, for people out there? Yeah, burnout. Um, they say burnout is when you're emotionally, physically, and mentally exhaustion. You're just exhausted. Um, and really, it's it's because of stress. Um and typically when you're burnt out yourself, you won't see it. Other people will see it first. And in a matter of fact, if you're asked about it when you are in the midst of burnout, you'll deny it completely and think you're just fine and be upset that anyone's even thinking that you might be in burnout mode. <laughs> so that's actually a key thing about about burnout. Um, and so as teaching the class, I was often telling people, well, be aware that if someone's telling you that you might need a break, please take that seriously because you're probably not seeing it and you're denying it all, but there, they might be seeing early signs of burnout. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's how, so for you, what did it look like? Oh goodness. Mine was a more a complicated state. Um, I think I got myself physically, yeah, totally in that state, but, um, we were trying so hard with everything and I was in the, in the midst of the time, my health actually crashed in the, in the end and mm. I had chronic fatigue for five years. But what led up to that is I look back, um, when we were on our home assignments, nothing slowed down. We were continually with people. Um, when we went back trying to adjust again, our team had changed roles, um, which again, anytime our roles are changing, that's a huge stress factor. We were um, changing things with schooling with the kids. We had brought help back with us, so we had another person in our home. We were also, I was trying to physically get in shape because another village was six-hour hike away, and we were up and down in the mountains, and so I was physically trying to get in shape as well on top of all the other stresses that were happening during that time. Um, And so then after we had gone on one of those big hikes to one of the villages, I came back, and again, I was... I was drinking out of the streams as well, which probably wasn't the best way to care for my physical well-being either. But about two weeks, I came back and my health literally crashed and I I could no longer function. Thought it was mono. Um, thought, well, maybe if I just kind of keep still and, you know, try and do what I can to get my health back. Did that for another six to nine months in, in the tribe. We had gone out and done some testing, but nothing had shown up. 
Um, and then by the end of that time, not only was I physically down in bed and couldn't do anything, but I, I was in a state of real um, depression and um, knowing that we just couldn't function in that setting anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned like different stressors, um, one being roles changing. Could you list out some of those stressors are sort of counterintuitive because mm-hmm. you think of a stressor as a, a negative thing. A role change isn't inherently negative, right? There's, it could be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So what are some stressors that you think people should kind of understand mm-hmm. that aren't inherently negative in themselves, but they are a stress and they add stress to your life? Right. Um, stress really has to do with change. And so we know as we go through life, there's always so many changes, right? So even a wedding, that's a real stressful event for everybody involved because it means a lot of changes within a family. Um, a death in the family, also another big stressor. So anytime there's, there's some major change and so a, a move, right? And how many of us in missions, how many moves have we undergone? And there's actually a little um, scale that you can actually weigh out, figure out a number scale as to what the stresses you've been through in a year and what the normal average body can manage in a year. But when I was overseas, and we talked about this with a group of missionaries, most of us were way above and beyond the scale, and yet we were still functioning well within the body of Christ doing the work. So even though we have a human measuring tool that we can use, realize that the capacity that the Lord gives us to do his work is really beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And what a, what a good thing that is. Mm-hmm. What a, yeah, what a testimony of who he is and his strength in our lives really is. Right. It's kind of a, a little bit of a balancing game, right? Because you are a limited human being. Mm, absolutely. Indwelt by an unlimited God. So it's kind of confusing. You know, I've before I was exposed to this idea of, of stress and it being cumulative and what burnout is, um, you kind of get the idea out there, the way people talk about it, that, well, if you're walking with the Lord, then you won't be stressed or burned out. Um can you think of any passages or like, where do people get that idea from? And what would your response be to that idea that this is really about you and your walk with the Lord? And Mm -hmm. there is not a thing called burnout or stress, like the skeptic out there, what would your answer Um, be? Yeah, the skeptic out there. I, I often think in our culture, so many times we try to guard against those things. Um, We try to keep comfort in to say that burnout is is a terrible thing, so we want to keep that from happening. And um, and yet I don't think we're going to give ourselves to the work of the Lord without experiencing some of those things in our human frailties of who we are as human beings. Um, but the Lord does give us ways that we can, he does ask us to manage our bodies, I think, and to take responsibility for that. Um, and knowing that we have good nutrition and um, good exercise and good relationships around us. Boy, all those things just help our bodies handle stress better. That's just a real practical thing to think about. Um, but as far as those things that we don't have control over, a lot of those stresses that come our way, there are things that we can control, but there's so much that we don't control. 
and to allow the Lord to be at work in those things and to trust him in the midst of that. And yet we will feel the strains of a sin-cursed world. We just will. That's what disease is, right? Um, And so we can't prevent some of those things from happening, um, even though we're walking with the Lord and looking to him to guide us and direct us. Will he use those in our lives? Absolutely he will. Um, and But not to fear those things is to think that they're, they're not of him because then that's just denying his role in this universe as well and his control over all that. That Okay, that's really good because you, you said something that and I realize, okay, that's what I'm doing <laughs> when I think about mm-hmm. burnout and, and stress. You know, in my thinking, if we can avoid burnout, avoid, you know, crippling stress, that's good. We, that means we can, we can keep going with the mm. work. What you're saying is some of those things, burnout might be part of the cost or just part of true what it is to be a disciple and part of what it is to, to serve and to give your life mm. so that the unreached can can hear the gospel. And it doesn't mean at the same time that you, you aren't wise with, hmm. with things that you can manage right. and, and steward those things. Well, mm-hmm. no, I was, um, looking at a passage. We're talking about what scriptural passage we could bring up. And I, in Mark six, when Jesus was sending out his disciples or seeking to prepare them, right. And here they are, um, just lost John the Baptist and, and Jesus recognizes his, his own, um, do I use the word distress? I don't know if he was distressed, but he was certainly, um, certainly taken that to heart. Mm. And his disciples also were really feeling the loss of John the Baptist. And Jesus, when they heard about that, he had said to them, okay, let's, let's get away and rest for a while. He, he recognized that this was a stress for them. It was a difficult trial that they had just experienced. And he wanted them to kind of regroup together. And so he had called them away. Well, as they got in the boat to get away, the crowds followed them. They got to the other side of the lake and the crowds were all there. And Jesus sees this crowd and he stops again. And he starts teaching them because he sees that there are sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder what the disciples were thinking when Jesus had told them, we're going to go away and rest for a while, right? So they had proper expectations that I'm going to get away and rest for a while. And all of a sudden they get to the other side of the lake and there's no rest to be found. There's 5,000 men in that crowd at least. And who knows how many women and children were part of that crowd. And not only did Jesus teach them, but now he looks to his disciples who are tired and emotionally exhausted and said, now you feed them. And they're looking at this crowd going, what in the world, Jesus, are you expecting from us? Like, really, we're supposed to feed this crowd? So sure enough, they follow Jesus's instructions. And with five loaves and two fishes, they end up feeding this huge crowd. And once they get them all fed, now Jesus says, okay, now you get in that boat and you start rowing. And I'm going to meet you on the other side. And Jesus was going to step aside and pray for a while. And as he sends them out into that boat, they get in the middle of the lake and now a storm happens. So now not only are they... Um, emotionally exhausted and mentally done. Now they're physically working. I mean, straining at the oars hours on end in this lake. Were they not doing what God had asked them to do? No, they were doing exactly what God had asked them to do. Jesus had told them what to be doing. 
And yet they were feeling, I'm sure by this time, at the total end of themselves, right? In every way, sense, and form. And yet I love that when Jesus comes and shows himself to them, and they didn't recognize him at first, but that's when he came and showed himself to them, and then the storm was just stilled. That was in the early days of him just sending them out. What did, what was he preparing them for, mm. right? And what did what was he using to prepare them in situations that they had no control over and yet had other expectations because Jesus had given them an expectation. It wasn't a wrong expectation, but trying to work through all that and see who God is in the midst of that. Wow, isn't isn't that a journey that the Lord tends to take us all on? <laughs> I mean, seeing that story, the way you put it from, you know, the whole story, it's not just doesn't end with him coming, the disciples coming back and he says, let's go away for a break. Mm. Stop reading. See, breaks are good. <laughs> Keep reading. And... There's people without a shepherd. He feels compassion mm-hmm. and says, we got to feed them. And then the storm and Jesus is up on the mountain praying. I mean, you could stop reading at any point in that passage and mm-hmm. sort of miss the big picture, which is that Jesus is there meeting them in from one stress to the next, one limitation to the next. Yes. Um, yes. And he does calm the storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In his timing, not when we want it to yeah. end necessarily. Yeah. Um, and and really in a display of who he is. And, and they actually say at the end of that, wow, now we truly know that you are who you say you are. You hmm. are God. And I feel like that's what God wants in our journey with him too. Um, none of us know him fully mm-hmm. yet. And that's really, we are his witnesses. And the only way we do that by continually coming to know who he really is. So we're displaying who he is, not who we think he is, not who we want him to be, who he really is. Um, and the only way we're going to be able to do that is allowing him to do that, that work that he needs to do. Thank you. Um, so back to kind of the other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. where you have, a body that you're managing. Yes. You're the mm-hmm. steward of it, right? And so you use wisdom. Um, what are some things that people can do to manage their stress levels? Um, and, mm-hmm. and what are some things you would recommend a young church planner out there or someone, you know, wanting to go to the field and mm-hmm. in the middle of raising support and just feeling that <laughs> the stress? Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we will feel it. Um, I think the most practical thing, and we can never leave out the fact of our time with the Lord, right? Mm. And just being in the word and hanging under those promises that he gives us first and foremost. Um, and then just some real practical things as far as taking care of our bodies. We all need, know we need to eat. Good nutrition is important. And if you're in those isolated places, get those extra vitamins, you know, take them with you, um, get your sleep. And if you need earplugs or you need some time to unwind before you get into bed, get into a routine of some sort so you know you're sleeping well. And exercise, we know that exercise does our body well and it helps get rid of this stress. So find something that you like to do, um, whether it's walking or biking or um, running, 
any of those things can really make a big difference in our overall health and well-being. Mm-hmm. What if your hobby is something that you can't do in the middle of the jungle, you know? Form um, some new hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> it really it really is important to have something that helps you de-stress. It really really is important. I mean, I know some that have done a little woodworking. They they take that along with them. Um, knitting, you know, some ladies like to do that. Reading books. I, I like to read. Others like to read, watch a movie. Um, all those are, are little things that can really go a long ways. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some traps when it comes to managing stress? Some, some things that actually, as you think about, oh, I, sh- I should manage stress and, but there's a trap there waiting Mm-hmm. For us, um, set by Satan, mm-hmm. who's against us, and he knows that we're, yeah, we're limited beings, and he knows how to set traps for us. Mm-hmm. There's definitely unhealthy ways to manage stress as well, as we know, and you see that all around us as well, right? People addicted to different medications or alcohol or pornography or um, all kinds of things that can it might de-stress for a while, but we know it's sin and we know sin leads to death and that's the trap of the enemy, right? So just to be aware of what are, what are those things that we tend to go to? Um, do we like our glass of wine? Do we like our, um, our internet that we're chatting and who are we chatting with? All kinds of, all kinds of those things that we just cannot be, we cannot afford to not be alert to the wiles of the enemy and mm. to be on guard with those things and also just to be watching out for each other in those things too because we need each other in the work god gave us a body to function together with for a reason i remember when i was um this is when i was in college and i was overseas for a year and um i remember like feeling really stressed Mm -hmm. and um you know facebook was a thing then right so I remember one Saturday thinking, oh, I'll just go on Facebook, connect with friends. And um, and I did the entire day. At the end of it, that moment or the, that day wasn't stressful. Like it was kind of nice to reconnect. And hmm. But at the end of it, it was not a good day. Because hmm. it just had become this coping mechanism. Um, and that wasn't just one day, this sort of kind of became a a Saturday thing, right? And, uh, or not all day, but like Mm -hmm. more than it should have been. And um, I just, after a while, recognized, you know what, this is good. Like if it feels like it's unstressing me, but I'm realizing this is an unhealthy Hmm. screen addiction, you know, to Facebook and, and it's, it's, a little counterintuitive because you're reconnecting with people back home. What I love is that the Lord is so faithful to show us those things, right? And convict us. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of things that can be okay in its place, but it can go to an extreme and become unhealthy. Right. And yet, as we're taking our time and making sure we're spending time with the Lord and he does indwell us as believers. And so knowing that he is faithful to show us those things and to correct us. And so not to be fearful of falling into those traps, as you say, either mindful and yet trusting in an almighty God to be faithful to us as he promises to be 
and be, and to continue to be obedient when he prompts us in those things. Yeah, mm. he, he does those things. It's amazing. So do you have any last tips, uh, words of advice, you know, picture someone out there in the thick of language learning, mm. um, anything that you, you want to pass on to them as they are in this journey? Oh, I want to say to enjoy the journey. Um, it's not forever. <laughs> and to know that God is for you. Um, you, I can't think of a better thing that you can be given yourself to. Mm-hmm. So just keep at it. Keep and at it. Keep at it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. I've learned a lot. Wonderful. You've expanded my thinking when it comes to burnout and stress and um, really, I shouldn't be surprised. The answers are in the word. Mm. Um, it is good to, you know, have the medical world and they kind of have helped us understand the human body and stuff, mm-hmm. but real answers for life are in the word, in the person of Christ. Yes, and that's, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be surprised by that. It's been a pleasure to visit. <laughs> Thank you so much. For those out there listening, we are praying for you. We love you, and um, God bless. You've been listening to the Rethink Missions podcast. For more information and episodes, go to wmissions.com. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review and subscribe. 